If you invoke as Father, the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you to join us here this morning, and we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The Bible in the book of James says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And I love this image. This is a beautiful sentiment. Every good and perfect gift comes from God above. I feel like the world, though, uh, has a very different proclamation about gifts. Uh, The world at least as I see it, seems to be saying every good and perfect gift comes with a warning. Um, Every toy that my kids get for Christmas uh, comes with a giant warning on it that says that it or the plastic bag that it comes in um, might very well kill my child. Every movie I see warns me about the questionable content therein. The roller coasters I ride are not recommended for pregnant women or anybody shorter than this height or anybody with a heart condition. Uh, Every medication I take uh, might cause a stroke. Um, Have have you ever uh, paid a bill on the internet or updated your iTunes? Uh, Have you ever actually clicked on the thing that allows you to read the thing that you're agreeing to? I did one time in my life and it's pages and pages of warnings and promises not to sue, etc., etc. The message that the world seems to be sending us, no matter which way we turn, is Are you sure you want to do this? Fast food restaurant chains now have to post nutrition information on the menu. It'll be delicious, they're saying, but are you sure you want to eat this? This roller coaster is really fun, but are you sure you want to get on here? This toy looks like it'll be a good time, but are you sure you want to risk your child to death? (laughs) Peter, in the letter we have from him this morning, 1 Peter is sort of saying the same thing. He's giving us a warning. He says, if you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially, according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. In other words, if you want to get into a relationship with a God who judges people according to what they do, get ready to live in fear. Peter is saying, are you sure you want to do this? Now this is a hard and sort of unnatural thing for us to hear from Peter as we're accustomed to thinking of a relationship with God as perfectly loving, as an escape from fear, rather than as the source of it. But what Peter is elucidating here is actually the thing that makes a relationship with Jesus Christ so unique. You see, 
We think that we want impartiality. It's one of our closely held beliefs. We imagine our lives on sort of a cosmic scales, and all the bad stuff we do gets piled on one side, and all the good stuff we do gets piled on the other side, and at the end, whichever side weighs the most, well, that'll determine how it goes for us, right? Now, there's a reason that Lady Justice is always depicted as blindfolded, right? She's holding the scales, but she's supposed to be objective, impartial. She doesn't judge by sight. Whichever side weighs the most, that's the one she picks. She's not supposed to be swayed by people, by the people placing themselves, their accomplishments, their offerings onto the scales. She doesn't care about their extenuating circumstances or the pleading looks in their eyes. She's impartial. The good outweighs the bad, reward. The bad outweighs the good, punishment. And Peter is acknowledging in this letter that this is the natural way humans think. But he cautions us. He warns us. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, you're going to live in fear, not in peace. And you know this fear. This is the fear that wakes you up in the middle of the night, wondering if you're a good enough provider for your family. This is the fear that makes you write and rewrite and rewrite the emails to people who have power over you, desperate to choose just the right words. This is the fear that prevented you from calling your brother for all those years, worried that the thing that estranged you really was your fault. This is the fear that causes a dying man to say, I think I've lived a good life. I'm just not sure it was good enough. This is the fear that Peter is talking about. If we ask into our hearts a God who judges impartially, according to our deeds, a judge who looks at how we've lived our lives, we will always be afraid. We will always have that little sneaking suspicion that God who sees our hearts and our hidden desires and our attitudes, who sees the us that we hide from everybody else, will find the lives that we've led wanting. And that sneaking suspicion is totally accurate, by the way. The lives that we have led have been wanting. Now, if I had taken a survey before church this morning and asked you if you would prefer God to be partial or impartial, I bet every single one of us would have voted for an impartial God. We want fairness. We think this is what we want in our judges. And in fact, we get angry and very self-righteous when we think we see partiality in the world. When Judge Judy, and yes, I spent hours and hours in college watching Judge Judy. When Judge Judy just decides that she likes one person as opposed to the other and then judges in their favor, it used to drive me crazy. When a coworker gets preferential treatment 
It bothers you. When we felt that one of our parents favored a sibling, it was a crushing blow. And the idea that God would be like this, that God could play favorites, that God could be partial, could I suggest anything more hideous to our sensibilities? We think that partiality, that fairness, gives us a chance. We're worried that if the game's rigged, we could be left out. But if God is fair, then maybe, just maybe, if we do well enough or work hard enough, we might be okay. But the truth is that impartiality, fairness, is our death sentence. If God were to be fair, as Peter describes, and judge all of us according to our deeds, no one would be found acceptable. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, says St. Paul. Our self-centeredness, our pride, our jealousy, our betrayal, our anger, all of these things combine to make fairness and impartial judging doom for the human race. These things combine to make fairness and impartial judging the worst possible news. No wonder Peter says that we'll live in fear. But he goes on. He's not done. He has good news. You know says St. Peter, you know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. Peter says that if you do what your ancestors did and accept a God who judges impartially, who judges fairly, then you will live your whole life in fear that your life isn't good enough, that it hasn't measured up. But, he says, you don't have to. You know, he says, that you were ransomed from those futile ways. Our ancestors had it wrong. They didn't know about Jesus. I love the way Peter puts this. You were ransomed from those beliefs. We were being held hostage by the idea that God would be fair and that we, therefore, had to be good enough. Do you hear it? Being good enough was holding us hostage. We were ransomed, not with stuff that has a passing value like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. This is the good news. This is the gospel. This is how counterintuitive the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Are you ready for this? Here it comes. God is unfair, and this is good news. God shows partiality. This is good news. Now, it's 
perfectly true that in Acts, Peter specifically says that God shows no partiality. I'm not going to argue with Peter here, but this is him preaching the good news to the Gentiles, saying that God doesn't care about your nation of origin or anything in particular about you. But make no mistake, God shows partiality. He is partial to his son. God plays favorites. Jesus is his favorite. This is good news for us. The Bible says that everyone who believes has been clothed with Christ. This metaphor is used specifically to help us understand these verses. When God looks at us, when he looks at you, he sees his son. Now, he's not fooled. We're not pulling a fast one on God because Jesus Christ is God himself. But we get to cover ourselves with the one to whom God shows partiality. We are covered with God's favorite. Clothed with Christ, we partake in all the glory that comes along with being the favorite, getting the preferential treatment, not because of who we are or because of anything we've done, but because of who ransomed us, who paid for our freedom from the tyranny of trying so hard to be acceptable but always being worried that we haven't done enough. This is why baptism is a celebration. We're not baptizing Eli into a relationship with a God where he'll be judged impartially based on his deeds. If we were, this would be a somber, fearful occasion. We've baptized Eli into the death of his Savior, Jesus Christ, who has ransomed him. And every single one of us with his precious blood. And that precious blood of Christ has done something incredible. It has washed us white as snow and made us, has made you the ones to whom God shows partiality. God has torn the blindfold from Lady Justice's eyes. He has broken down the false idol of impartiality because an impartial scales finds every single one of us wanting every single time. Our good is outweighed by our bad every time we weigh them. But God isn't blind. He opens his eyes, he looks at us, and he sees his own suffering son ransoming us with his blood. The body of Christ is broken for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you. In and on account of Christ, you, yes, even you, are God's favorite, his beloved, his one and only child. Fear is abolished forever, and peace reigns supreme. 
Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to us today, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Fear is gone. Peace is here. And brothers and sisters, let us rest in this peace. In Christ, we are sinners reconciled to a holy God. We have been ransomed, purchased, paid for. The deal is done. In Christ, you are God's favorite. Amen.